Welcome to This Academic Life, episode 35. This episode is sponsored by DeGreiter and his portfolio in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For students and researchers in mathematics, DeGreiter's 2022 catalog is now available at thisacademiclife.org. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. This recording takes place only a few days after the Yavalde, Texas school shooting. On behalf of This Academic Life podcast, we would like to send our deepest condolences to all the families affected by that tragic event. Hi, my name is Lucy Zhang. I'm a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, I'm Pani Anuel, a professor of mechanical engineering. Hi, my name is Kim Michelle Lewis. I am a professor of physics and associate dean of research. Well, ladies, spring 2022 classes just ended for most colleges and universities. For some faculty who teach, this can be a time of great anxiety. Why? Well, because it is time to see if all of your lecture preparation, classroom demonstrations, careful selection of homework questions, creation of in-class quizzes, and your best science and engineering jokes have paid off. It is time to turn in those grades. For me, the end of the semester was always stressful due to grading final exams and submitting the final course grade for individual students. I dreaded pushing that submit button. I would think to myself 100 times or more, were the test questions fair? Did I curve the grades correctly? Should I have curved the grades? Will students complain to the department chair? Will I become overwhelmed with every student requesting a regrade? The answer to all those questions is yes. So today's show is about turning in those course grades. I want to explore with my colleagues what their experiences have been when it comes to submitting end of the semester course grades. So let's get started. What is the biggest challenge or stressor that faculty face when submitting grades at the end of the semester? Well, my biggest challenge is to get the grades in time. Otherwise, I, I get so many warning emails from the registrar's office and I can't take it. So the time crunch, that's my biggest challenge. My biggest stressor is coming from the potential regrade request coming from students. How should a student approach you if they want you to consider or want to request a grade change? I think the first thing that a student want to do if they want to challenge their grade is to ask politely. I think the students sometimes or oftentimes have that entitlement sentiment when they sent that request, either in most cases in email form, they felt like I worked so hard, I deserve a grade. I would say that's the first thing that a students want to sort of look out for, watch the tone, watch your language, right? So that's my first suggestion. 
And then the second one is ask with basis. So oftentimes you don't really have a good argument that you can come up with. It's very easy for the instructor or professor to say, no, that's not a good reason or legitimate reason. So I would say, think, what is the reason that you're asking for this regrade? If you simply say, well, I worked so hard, therefore I deserve a better grade. That's never a good way to ask. If you say, I would like to find out what the averages are, I would like to find the standard deviation, or I would like to find just where I am in the class and what is your basis in setting the average or like general, more quantitative type of numbers <laughs> that you can send your request. I think that would be another way to go. Yeah, I would like to echo both of those. Like, don't go to the instructor or the teacher or the professor with the attitude that I'm right, I deserve it, and you are wrong. You gave me this grade. It's you earned it. There might be a small mistake here and there, but it's not that we gave you the grade. So, and also don't make excuses. Don't say that, oh, I will lose my scholarship because you are ruining my educational experiences and all of this. These are, we heard this over and over and over. You are not the only one coming up with this. And just have a really good reason to avoid these requests. I actually spend time and scan all the exams and import them to Gradescope, which you can have this rubric set up. And I don't do any regrading before them looking at the rubric and write a memo and justify what, why they are asking for it. And this is very common practice, at least in my department and in our college too, because we all heard that it's always our fault. And to avoid that, that's, I guess that's something that it might help. But yeah, I 100% agree with Lucy. So Panya, let me ask, what can students do to avoid like that last minute rush to faculty to gain that extra point to move them to the next letter grade? at least in my opinion, from the beginning of the semester, when we give or post syllabus, everything it's in there. There is no surprises. That's just a contract between us and the student. That's something to set the tone that we want to treat every single student in the class fairly. And that's why we have the syllabus. So we have transparency, we post all the grades, maybe some faculty, they are late here and there, but there is no surprises. You know how much you contributed throughout the semester. And if you feel that you've been treated unfairly, immediately, as soon as you recognize that from the beginning of the semester, schedule a time with your instructor and your professor and reach out to them and talk with them so they can explain to you what's happening. So don't wait for the last minute because most of the time, at the last minute, it has a negative impression on the instructor that your intention is not pure. So, so often when I taught classes, 
one of the things that you i think lucy mentioned that you shouldn't do or maybe panya also mentioned is not to make excuses or say about the scholarship etc financial aid but most often i also hear students say well, I'm not asking you to change everybody's grade. I'm only asking you to change my grade. And so my question is, I want us to talk a little bit about why it's not that easy to change a letter grade just for one student. What are the things that faculty members need to consider if they change a grade for one single person? The one thing that came uh, to my mind first is fairness. If you change one, you have to change everybody else who were above you that was supposedly to be at the same level, which is not, all right? So I, if you want to keep it fair, it's not completely not doable, but everybody, all the instructors, all the professors have their standards in class. If you change one, you have to change everything else. I think fairness really is the key here. If they change you, they're shifting their entire grade curve system, their entire grading system. And that's not easy. Everybody has their own standards to keep everything fair, right? You, you don't want to do that. So that's the first thing that came to mind. And second thing is, if you have to change, say, more than five or six grades in a class, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of paperwork. Obviously, if it's warranted, certainly that is paperwork is just a procedure. Obviously, it's no problem. But we do have to write reasons to change a grade. If there is a mistake, that's very easy to justify. But if you're saying, because the student challenge, therefore I changed his or her grades, that is not a viable answer. No one's going to take that. And it's not going to be approved down the line either. So the entire educational system does not support that type of behavior. So I would say those are the two major things that just came to mind about changing a grade. Yeah. And also on top of that, there are I think there are students that they are from the beginning of the semester, they are a straight A students. And I think you are doing disservice to them. They put all their time, effort to studying hard. And by shifting the grade, it's just, it's not fair to them at the end of the day, because there should be a difference between people that they are following the rule, they are putting time and effort. It's not easy. It's very difficult. They have to make a lot of sacrifices. And then at the end, some grades being shifted and out of a sudden now everybody's A or the majority are A's. And also to my knowledge in many other parts of the world, there is no curving system. And that's kind of, in my opinion, it's inflating the grades. It's many, many other countries. When you look at the students, when they apply for the graduate programs, some people, they say, oh, their GPA is low. It's only 3.1. Why it's not 4.0? Because they don't do curving. And everybody knows that even if you get a 3.0 GPA in, you know, in some selective countries, it doesn't mean that you are a bad student. It means that 
that's their system. They don't just inflate the grades, give everybody A's at the end of the day. Yeah, so, so I think, and there are different ways of curving, as Lucy mentioned, I, but I don't think that I found any of them to be <laughs> the best, fairest way as possible. Even though I don't curve, I create a lot of opportunity throughout the semester for students to do extra credit. And to me, they have to work. So it's not a free points or free grades. And those that they take advantage of this free opportunities that they are extra credits usually helps with that issue of the 0.01 or 0.02 being Mm -hmm. in one bin or being a minus and bump them to a i think we should define as best as we can what grading on a curve really means and i'm gonna ask lucy our statistician our local statistician to explain what does it mean to grade on the curve i've seen so many different versions of curving. (laughs) There are some I like and some I don't. Uh, When I was in college, we had a professor doing the entire histogram of the final grades distribution, looking at the entire class. And it's got a maybe uh, 40, 50 students in one class. So drawing a histogram is very straightforward and it's relatively reliable. So he would say, based on the histogram, this percentage amount of students will get this grade, right? So that's a sort of the average median, that range. So he presets a certain amount of percentage of students getting a particular grade. So that's how some people curve. I've also seen people setting the average being the particular grade. For example, some people say B plus is considered as the average. And this class has 100 students, so that's pretty fair. I mean, that you got a good population to generate that kind of average grade. So, and then going from there, every half of a grade, so like a plus or minus, is a quarter of a standard deviation. So if you kind of count that up every quarter, you eventually go, say, from B minus being the average, Then you kind of go that up every quarter, you will get an A at the end when you get to about, I think I forgot, maybe three standard deviation above the average. And same thing on the other side. And by the time you're below that three standard deviation, you get an F. So that's another way. Usually if you have enough population, that gives you a really good and very fair way of uh, looking at the distribution and you say that B minus is uh, average in my class and you can set that as a C as well and some people set it as a B right so that's like very instructor dependent decision but I think with the standard deviation it kind of really give you a nice distribution if you have a good enough or big enough of population so that's another way that I have seen people doing it Another one, I think people use it all the time, but it's not like written anywhere, is really looking at the cutoffs, (laughs) easy cutoffs. (laughs) Again, if you have enough of a population in your class, you can just see, 
all right, oh, the top 10 out of 80. And then there's a huge gap in between. Okay, there's, there's your A, there, there, that, that defines it. And then you look for another gap. Oh, that looks about A minus. Okay, here is another cut. So that's a, I don't know how easy it is. I think it's a very human controlled because you look at the gap and you say, oh, okay, that's a good, that's a good amount. <laughs> so sometimes I like that approach as well because it's relatively humane, in my opinion, because you're not really cutting anybody off by that 0 0.01, then they could be bumped up easily. Say so in my conscience, I'll feel better about it because it's a huge gap. No one's going to complain that they didn't get bumped up to the next grade. So that's an, a very common approach I've seen. <laughs> so together, these are the three type of ways of curving that I have seen over the years. So Panya, are you convinced? No, but you know, at the end of the day, I don't think it's about grade. It's about learning. And you can have B or A, or whatever that, I guess the highest grade is A++++. And if somebody asks you what you learned in that class and you cannot convey the message, to me, it's equivalent to F. So these are ju just some letter grades that we have it. Uh, uh, some people, they just fight over 0. 0.0001 and to me, it's just the knowledge that you gain. Everybody should value and be honest with themselves how much they learn. I know that we are paying for tuitions and all of this, but also I think that we should reflect on ourselves and be honest at how much time and effort we put into it and whether we deserve to get whatever grade that we think we deserve. So that's why I'm not too convinced. That I think it's easy to say, Panya. I, I think uh, at our position where school is over, we're officially over anyway, and even though we're still learning a lot every day, it's easy to say, but I still remember I was a very good student and I was in college. I still remember those stressful days and yep. at least in engineering school, it's almost one or two tests every week on real subjects where you have to spend lots of time on it's very stressful and the amount of effort you put in grades matter grades matter a lot <laughs> to me <laughs> because, because it was important yes i'm doing it because i'm getting a degree but i want well, i care about my grades i do care about my grades so I feel like it's easy for me to say now because I'm like, oh yeah, why are you doing this? Just for grace. Yeah. But at the time, at that moment, because that's all your life, your life is to learn. Your every day, your job is to learn. So grades give you that. It's a reflection of how well you learned. So it matters a lot to me. It mattered a lot to me back then. <laughs> I think it's a culture because like at least in, in my country, when I was at school or even high school, you must be super, 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 super genius to get 20 out of 20. And that was the standard. But here in the US, I guess we are promoting that. And I've seen it like French system is similar to the Iranian system too, or I guess, I don't know, Iranian, they adopted French system. 
So last question, ladies, this was great. What can we recommend to say junior faculty to reduce their anxiety about submitting grades? Or what strategies do you recommend that works best when it comes to stress relating to submitting the grades? Any take homes that you could think of? For me, I think I would always try to get my grades done like a day or at least 24 hours before they're due. And then that gives me an opportunity to kind of sleep on it. So I'll do all of the grades as if I'm going to submit them at some time that I set for myself. And then I walk away and go relax. I go to sleep and then I wake up the next morning and then I just kind of review it again. Like, yep, that was a great decision. Good job, Kim. And so then I kind of feel like, okay, you didn't make a very hasty decision. You thought about it. You slept on it. Sometimes that's good and bad because I would end up dreaming about where the cutoff was. I was like, oh, wait, was that point two or was it a point three? And then I wake up and I'll go check. And it gets a little crazy at times. But for me, that typically works. If I can get the grades done 24 hours before they're due, it gives me some time to relax and go to sleep and wake up and refresh my memory and reset then i feel much better about submitting the grade so that's one of the strategies that i use for me i follow my syllabus so closely so everything is within the bin and it's super easy i just need my husband to double check to make sure when i transfer the grade from one system to the other, I didn't make a mistake. So I sleep on it and I cross check again and again and again. And then I push the submit button. And hopefully after that, all the students are smiling. My working strategy is sometimes time is out of my control. If I can, I like to do the same thing as Kim. I would kind of get everything ready, sleep on it, and then submit the grades, say the next day or whatever. But a lot of times when I don't, I like to do everything collectively in one sitting. And I would probably check five times, 10 times, just to make sure I'm happy about this. And then I submit them with a ruler, making sure all the rows, I would actually print those out and then use ruler corresponding to the name, grades, their school ID. And I would do one by one and check that a number of times and then hit the submit button. But you know what I was thinking about when Lucy said she takes the ruler and she lines up the grade with the student ID, et cetera. The worst when I've done that is to look at the registrar's list on the computer when you're submitting your grades and find that a student has not been using their legal name that's registered on the course. And I'm flipping out. I'm like, who is Robert L. Frank? Like, who is that? <laughs> I'm freaking out because this person has not been in the class and it turns out they used their middle name and switched the first and the last. I'm like, so that is really scary for faculty members to see a name that appears on the registrar when you're submitting the grades and not have a corresponding exam that goes, that matches exactly the name on the roster. Lucy and Panya, thank you for providing 
insight and advice about submitting those final course grades. I hope that we can continue to find strategies and approaches to course grading and that students who listen have a better understanding of some of the challenges that faculty members encounter when preparing to submit course grades. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. This episode is sponsored by DeGrider and its portfolio in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For students and researchers in mathematics, DeGrider's 2022 catalog is now available at thisacademiclife.org. You can follow us on Facebook and listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. If you're interested in being a sponsor, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Join us next time for the good, the bad, and the ugly of this academic life.